Welcome to the C3 Church Watson Podcast. Our vision is to connect you to Jesus, grow you as a disciple, and help you serve His purpose. We hope you are blessed by this week's message. As I said, we've been on holidays, and I love an Aussie summer. I love the slow down at the end of December as things sort of get relaxed. And then from Christmas to New Year's, everything feels like a Saturday, like you're not really sure what day it is. I love the lazy days where, you know, you might be around a pool, you might be at the beach, you might be in Tasmania celebrating a wedding, watching your 10-month-old learn to crawl. You might be, yeah, it was very fun. Um, You might be watching the cricket just for days on end or four days on end if you're an Australian fan at the moment. How good is that? Watching the tennis, barbecues. I love the warmth. I love the long days, the long summer days. And I also love as... Well, I also love the optimism of a January. You know, you you can come up with plans and dreams, and we'll get to dreams in a second, but, you you know, you have your goals for the year. And in January, everything feels possible. It still feels like I can achieve everything I'm going to set out to do. It's not until February that we think, "Mm, maybe not. Maybe I need to cut that one out. But I wonder what type of goals person you are. Are you someone who doesn't even set goals in not, not for me, or you might be like I usually am, and I'm someone who just thinks about them, has a rough idea about what I want to do in the year ahead. And I, I, I have heard about the people, and I, I'm yet to, well, I've met some of them, the monastic type who go away for like a week and meditate on what God wants to do in their life for 2024, and then they come back energized, empowered, and I always think, wow, you are so organized. Your admin is top level and you must be the next tier of Christian. Um, I'm not quite there yet. But Megan and I did actually spend some time whilst we were away. We were doing a bushwalk and Samuel was asleep and it was great. And so we, ch- we chatted about what we wanted this year to look like and we've written some things down. We've got a bit of a, some dreams and some visions. Uh, we've got some goals for what this year ahead will look like. But even in this church... As Pastor Mel said, next week we have Dream Sunday where we get to bring our dreams. We get to bring some of our goals for the year ahead. We get to pray for them. And, you know, as Mel just said, let's get into what God is doing, not dragging him to what we are doing. But I love January. My point is, I love January. I love the summer. I love the optimism. And I love looking forward to the year ahead. But my question and my challenge to us this morning is how are we taking our dreams and our goals for 2024 and turning them into actions? Because as we've unpacked Ruth chapter by chapter, we explored how she navigates the twists and turns of her life, and we, we, we're being inspired by, by, the, by her story about the turnaround of her fortunes. I believe that as we look at chapter 3, it's sequentially number 3, so that's one I'm going to look at. It's funny how that works, but... In chapter 3, we actually, we see the story come to its pinnacle, its climax. It's, it's the action-packed chapter. And we see Ruth take her dream, her dream for a better life, her goal of finding a husband in her new land, and she turns it into actions to see the dream come to pass. And I believe that this reveals a universal truth about what a life of faith looks like. And that is that we're here to be doers, 
to be active in seeing our prayers come to pass. So this morning, I want to spend some time encouraging us to be people of action by first unpacking this key truth, and at the end, we're going to pull out three quick keys to applying that in our lives. So why don't we pray that God will give us dreams, big dreams this year, but also the strategies to see them come to pass. Lord, thank you that you are a God who is intimately in our lives. Lord, you know us intimately, God, and thank you that you care about what we care about. Lord, thank you that you give us dreams, you give us visions, you give us hopes, Lord. But Lord, I pray that we'll be people who work with you, work alongside you to see them come to pass. And Lord God, I pray that we will be, yeah, we'll be doers this year in your mighty name. Amen. So we're going to read some of chapter three, and I know we've covered all of chapter one and two, but I'm trusting you've done your homework. So we're just going to read the first few verses. Um, and then if you haven't done it, shame on you. And you can go and read the bits we miss. Oh, sorry. You can read the bits you miss afterwards. There's no minus points. Just read it afterwards. Um, but I want to highlight that this chapter, this chapter does get a little steamy. Uh, it's a bit, it's a bit fun. It's a bit romantic and raunchy. Um, and just in the context, yeah, the Bible, I know. But tr- don't worry, it all turns out good in the end. It becomes PG. Um, but just to, to remind us of the context, we've got Ruth and Naomi. They've both lost their respective husbands. Naomi is Ruth's mother-in-law, and uh, they're in Naomi's hometown. And uh, Ruth is now needing to find, like, establish some roots. Um, she really needs to set up her own life. Um, and they've been, they've been collecting some wheat. So the, the story's building. She's been collecting some wheat in Boaz's land. So we join chapter 3, verse 1. It says, One day Ruth's mother-in-law, Naomi, said to her, My daughter, I must find a home for you where you will be well provided for. Now Boaz, with whose women you have worked, is a relative of ours. Tonight he will be winnowing barley on the threshing floor. Wash, put on perfume, and get dressed in your best clothes. Then go down to the threshing floor, but don't let him know that you are there until he has finished eating and drinking. When he lies down, note the place where he is lying. Then go uncover his feet and lie down. He will tell you what to do. I will do whatever you say, Ruth answered. She went down to the threshing floor and did everything her mother-in-law had told her to do. When Boaz had finished eating and drinking and was in good spirits, he went to lie down at the far end of the grain pile. Ruth approached quietly and covered his feet and lay down. In the middle of the night, something startled the man, probably the person lying down at the end of his bed. He turned and there was a woman lying at his feet. Who are you? He asked. I am your servant, Ruth, he said, she said. Spread the corner of your garment over me, since you are a guardian redeemer, redeemer of our family. The Lord bless you, my daughter, he replied. This kindness is greater than which you showed earlier. You have not run after the younger men, whether rich or poor. And now, my daughter, don't be afraid. I will do for you all you ask. All the people of my town know that you are a woman of noble character. So in, ga- in case you've missed what's just happened, Ruth, at the instruction of her mother-in-law, entered the tent of a rich landlord who was sound asleep and uncovered his feet. Mm, raunchy. If you think that's a bit odd, you're not alone. And the language at the time would have made this even more steamy than, than it comes across now. And it is, there is innuendo and insinuation 
in the original text of this language. So it's almost like we're watching a ball in a Bridgerton episode. And there's swooning, and she is presenting herself to Boaz. But it's not quite like that, because when we unpack it and read the Bible in its full context, we actually know that nothing happened. And we can be sure of that, and we'll get to that in a little bit. But instead of, instead of the insinuation and rumor, we actually end up with a story of romance, of redeeming, of true love between two upstanding people within this community. And so whilst this romance is great, and we could sift through the importance of each and every action of what it truly means for Boaz to be a, 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 a um, redeemer, and, and just a quick side note, that means he is, he's like a God figure in this. He's a he's an representation of God in the Bible. And we can go through it all. Um, but I want to shift our attention to the fact that Ruth was a doer. Naomi didn't say to Ruth, I would need to find you a husband, so let's form a prayer circle and pray about it. She said, now go and do this thing. In fact, as Nathan pointed out last week, God is not mentioned anywhere in the book of Ruth. So instead of prayer, we see Ruth do, we see Ruth act. And this is the fundamental truth about our lives, the nature of our lives as followers of Christ, especially in living out our dreams, our visions, and our goals. And when we, do, when we have those things, we need to do something. We need to take action. We need to operationalize our dream. And by that, I mean we need to take the dream, develop strategies and plans to achieve it, and then implement those strategies and plans. And whilst I don't want to oversimplify this passage, we see that Ruth and Naomi had a goal to find her a husband, because that would help bring her security and provision and integrate her into her new community. So Naomi develops a plan, and we read that Ruth does it. Verse 4, Naomi says, go and uncover his feet and lie down. Verse 5, I will do everything that you said, whatever you say. Verse 6, so she went to the threshing floor and did everything her mother-in-law told her to do. Too often I see people who have great ideas about, they want, about what they want to do in their life, about what they're dreaming for, what they're hoping for. They pray about it, they seek God for it, they write it down, they tell everybody, they talk about it, they obsess over it. And those aren't bad things, but too often I see them stop there and they don't do something about it. They just talk and talk and talk. And sometimes they use the reasoning that if God wants it to happen, then he will make it happen. And true, I, I believe that he can do that. But there are often so many times when God says, yeah, you can do that, so off you go and do it. But if you're sitting there waiting, you'll miss out. See, God might look at his master plan and he'll go, yeah, that can happen. Off you go and do it. But we actually then need to go and do it. And if we don't, we're missing the point about how God works. And that is that he has granted us free will. He trusts us with a little and he grants us more and more, but he calls us into action. So when we have a dream and a plan, sometime, oh, sometimes we need to become co-laborers with him instead of expecting him to do it all himself. 
In fact, God provides so many examples of times where he's instructing his people to do things. In Matthew 28, he says, go, action word, go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. In Matthew 11, he says, come to me, all who who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. These are all action words. These aren't passive words. In James 1 verse 22, it says, but don't just listen to God's words. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. James 2, in the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. So we take this call to arms, this call to action, and let's combine it with the fact that in Psalm 37, we know that God tells us that he cares about what our heart desires and he will give us the desires of our heart. So we combine that, those are our dreams, with the call to action and we know that we are being called to do something about it. He cares what, he ca- what we care about. He wants us to have the desires of our heart, so let's turn our dreams into actions just like Ruth and Naomi. So if you want a new job, stop just praying about it. Actually update your resume and put in some applications. If you want to find a partner and you've got this picture of a romantic movie where you bump into someone at a coffee shop, well, you better start drinking coffee. (laughs) If you want to live a healthy life, don't pray about it. You need to start going on a walk, eating healthy food. If you're not willing to do that, God can't do it through prayer. Well, better not say that. He can do it through prayer, but he wants you to start walking and doing the things that you can do. If you want to be generous, You're not creating habits to be proactively generous. You're not helping yourself. My point is not to stop praying. Please don't hear this and say, well, I'm just going to be a doer and not a prayer. No, we need to find the balance. We need to combine them. If we don't pray, we won't know what, what God is doing that he wants us to join him in. My point is just that we need to actually do something to go along with our prayers. Because just imagine this. You're sitting around the campfire with Jesus in, Ma- in the book of Matthew, in that scene where he is commanding them to go and make disciples of all nations. So he says, yeah, guys, here's my vision for 2024. Oh, sorry, maybe more just 0024. We're going to make disciples of all nations. So whilst we're in this circle, we're going to pray, and that's how we're going to achieve this vision. Peter, you're a pretty good pray- prayer. You start. Thomas, you wrap us up at the close, and will believe that God is going to do that. He's going to make disciples of all nations. No, Jesus didn't say that. He didn't say, I want to make disciples of all nations, let's pray. He said, I want to make disciples of all nations, so go. Do it. And I'm sure that the disciples prayed. I know for a fact that they prayed. All throughout the New Testament, we see them pray. But they went and did something to achieve the dream. I'm not sure who needs to hear this, but maybe you have been stuck dreaming and hoping and willing for change, even for years. And you've been praying about it. You've brought it to God. But I don't know who needs to hear it, but maybe he just wants you to start doing something. He's just waiting for you to start. See, God isn't always going to be a God who who kicks us up the backside and plants us right where he wants us to be or where we want to be. Sometimes he needs to be, he he wants us to be in motion first. 
He wants us to be like the spinning clay and he will become the sculptor, moulding it to his shape. Or he wants to direct us like a flowing stream and he just wants to slowly change the course of that stream. But in all situations, we need to be moving. In those situations, we need to be moving first. He wants us to be in motion. And Proverbs 16 verse 9 says, In their hearts, humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. Well, to establish your steps, you need to be moving. You need to be moving towards something. God can do the rest. So we take this fundamental truth about our life as believers. That is that if we, if we want to achieve our dreams and visions, we need to be doing things towards those as well. We need to be doers. Well, how do we actually go about getting there? Well, here are our three quick keys that we find in this chapter that will help us in pursuing and executing and operationalizing our dreams. The first thing we read is that we should seek the counsel of those around us. We should seek wisdom. See, in verse 1 to 4, we read about how Naomi helps Ruth come up with the plan. She borderline tells her what to do. And I I was close to calling this point, just listen to your mother-in-law. But... (laughs) I didn't need that many brownie points. Um, But in in verses 1 to 4, we read that Ruth consults counsel. She gets wise counsel from those around her to help her put the dream into action. Elsewhere in the Bible, we we see that this is a common thread. Proverbs 1 verse 5 says, Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and let the one who understands obtain guidance. Proverbs 12, The way of a fool is right in his own way own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. James 1 says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. As we start doing the things that we are dreaming for, as we start planning and acting, we should seek wisdom and seek wise counsel. And as we consult others, we can come up with a plan, we can refine it, and then we can start doing it. And Megan and I, we, we have a recent example of this. Funny that, when you're a first-time parent seeking advice. Hmm. But our little boy, Samuel, he was, he was a, he's a great kid. But early on, he didn't like napping, and that was a bit annoying. Um, he was pretty good at sleeping overnight. He'd wake up a bit early. Uh, it, that was all good, but... Um, it was the naps that was really a pain. And uh, he just wanted to sleep on us or he'd just cry for 20 minutes, blah, blah, blah. It was a whole thing. And so we were trying to do it all in our own strength and with what we thought was right until it got to a point where Megan just needed a break. I was at work, so it didn't bother me too much. Uh, <laughs> it, bo- it bothered me because in solidarity, we're a team. Thank you. Thank you. But I wasn't being kept up during the day by a baby, just a boss. Um, and so, anyway, we tried a sleeping course, and uh, it, it worked wonders. It helped us put in strategies to help him achieve his literal dreams so that he could go to sleep. And um, we tried the course, and, uh, you know, there, there was a process of going through it, and one day asked me about the time Megan went to brunch, and I had a crying baby for way too long. That's what I cared. Um, But after about three days, that's all it took, about three days, having applied the counsel and the wisdom in the course, he was napping like a champion. 
No more doing step ups and down on the, on the side of the fireplace, like the hearth. Never done more steps than when I was a new dad. But he was napping like a champion. And we were able to take our plan, our strategy, and through counsel and wisdom, we were able to achieve what we set out to achieve. So that's the first key. Seek wisdom. The second key to operationalizing our dreams, to putting our dreams into action, is to be people of good character. Verse 11 says, And now, my daughter, don't be afraid. I will do, this is Boaz speaking, I will do for you all you ask. All the people of my town know that you are a woman of noble character. Being of noble character is important no matter what you are dreaming of. Here for Ruth, this is especially true. Because imagine if she had just snuck into this tent, uncovered his feet and was sleeping at the end of the tent and the next morning everybody sees her like walking out of the tent. Like just imagine this situation. If, if she wasn't of good character, the rumours and innuendos would have taken hold. But instead, we know that instead of becoming an outcast through this action, actually God helps use it because of her good character and turns it into a moment where her story turns around. A story where she goes from a Moabite to being the start or on the line of Jesus. It's where she goes from being an outcast to being married. Now, I'm not saying that her good character was the only thing that played a, a, a case in that. But in this verse, we clearly read that she is of noble character and that played a key part in this dream coming to pass. It's because of noble character. In Philippians 4, we read, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, I, whatever is noble... If anything is excellent or praisey, praiseworthy, think about such things. In Matthew 6, it says, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Jesus tells us to be of good character. And in Ruth, we see that what that does to her story, but what might it do in your story? What might being of noble character help achieve for you? Will it help make you stand out at work and open up new opportunities, new doors? Will it help make your soul more attractive? Will it make you more content as a person and suddenly you're more attractive to those around you and you can find a husband or a wife? Maybe being of godly character, seeking godly character will help you finally overcome the thing that you have been struggling with. So my second key is be of God's character. And then the final key, is be patient. Verse 18, we're jumping right down to the bottom, says, Then Naomi said, Wait, my daughter, until you find out what happens, for the man will not rest until the matter is settled today. See, when we start combining our prayer over our dreams and our goals and our plans with action, we can start being confident that something will shift and change. See, Naomi encourages Ruth in this case because Boaz is a man after God's own heart. And as I mentioned, he is a redeemer. He is an image of God in the Bible. So if Naomi is encouraging Ruth to trust a mere man, a mere godly man, no less, how much more can we trust our God to come through for us? When we combine our prayers with our plans and we start acting it out, 
how much more can we trust that he will help it come to pass? In Psalm 37, it says, Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him, and he will do this. He will make your righteous reward shine like the dawn, your vindication like the noonday sun. Romans 8 says, But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. Can I remind you that God's relationship with time is so vastly different to ours that we cannot even fathom it? Because whilst we are subject to time, God created time. And just think about that for five seconds. Like, that's incredible. He created time. There's no ticking clock in his life. There's no countdown timer at the back of God's pulpit. Like, it's mind-blowing how that works, but that's not my point. When we remind ourselves of these verses and remember the nature of God outside of time, we can breathe again and hope again that actually He will work it out. His Word tells us He will work it out, and we can just trust and be patient. We can wait. So having patience is the last key to acting out our dreams. As we take action, as we consult the wise counsel around us, as we develop our character and as we wait, we can be confident and trust that God will come through. And before you know it, as we continue that cycle, as we continue to seek counsel, continue to refine our character and continue to wait, before you know it, you will arrive where God wants you to be. And I believe that God wants to do great things for us. He wants to do great things through us and He wants to do great things with us. So let's have big dreams this year. Let's have dreams that rely on God. Let's bring them to Him in prayer. Let's be after what God is after this year. But let's also start taking action to see them come to pass. We're going to close there. But why don't you join me as I quickly pray over us all. Lord, thank you that you care about what we care about. Lord, thank you that you want to do great things with us, for us, and through us. And Lord, I pray that we'll be part of that. God, I pray that we'll be doers. We'll be active in our faith. We'll live out our faith. And Lord, I just pray that anybody in this room or listening online, Lord, who is discouraged and has been praying for a while, Lord, I pray that you'll prompt them into action this year. God, I pray that we'll see your will come to pass. And whilst every head is bowed and eyes closed, we're going to pray a quick prayer because the first thing we need to do to align our dreams to God is be aligned with God. And that means accepting Jesus as our Lord and Savior and choosing to follow Him. Maybe you've never done that. Well, I want to give you an opportunity to do that right now. We're going to pray a prayer together. And if, it's, if, you're praying, if you want to choose Jesus, I want you to say the words, but really feel them in your heart. Because this prayer is for you. And after the service, you can come up the front. There'll be people who want to pray with you. But this, this prayer is for you. And we're going to pray it all together. So why don't you repeat after me? Lord God, today I take action. I choose you. I believe you are God. I want to follow you. 
and I know that I need you. So from today, I decide to follow you. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope to see you in church again this weekend. To find out more about our church, find us online at c3churchwatson.com.au.